Okay, the title, for those who like titles, I figure I'd give you a title, that way you'll know what I'm, t I'm talking about, <laughs> or what I did talk about, or whatever, is uh, the title is Take Back Your Life. Take Your Life Back. Okay, Take Your Life Back. All right. In John 10 and verse 10, <clears throat> says this, John 10 and verse 10, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. You know, the reality of that passage is this, that this is an ongoing process. It's not, okay, I have Christ and now I have this, I'm guaranteed this abundant living. Just because you have Christ, this does not stop the attacks of the enemy. The attacks of the enemies are ever, they're always going on in your life. And the enemy's tactic is to steal, kill, and destroy. So where do you fit in there? I mean, it, would you measure your life by abundant living? Or would you look at your life and say, man, my life is like something's happened in my life. The enemy is stealing, killing, and destroying my life. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's you know... If it is something going on, you need to take note of that. Now, I've had this to happen many times in, at about 12 midnight. Something wakes me up. It's like, you know, and I, I sometimes wonder if it isn't spiritual. I mean, right on the nose, it's like something, boom, look at the clock, 12 midnight. And I have, you know, I, I got fed up with it. I, I just got fed up. I, you know, I said, look, I said, God, it's my life. This is my life right here. And I am a child of the king, and I'm not going to tolerate this nonsense. Uh, you know, Sandy shared the story with me about, I think it was Friday, Friday night. It was last week. He said, could not go to sleep. And he said, this happens a lot on Friday evening before the Sabbath. What is that? I mean, you think about what causes some of these things. Well, there is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. You know, there was a book a long time ago, a minister had, Live Your Best Life Now. You know, you can live your best life now, or you can live your worst life now. It's, uh, and that choice is yours for the taking. But you've got to realize you have an enemy, and you have to realize you have to fight against this enemy. You must be willing to fight for your life. Okay, take your life back. You must be willing to fight for your life. Not roll over and play dead. Not passivity, being passive, you know. Not escapism. Not retreat into an imaginary world where you fantasize how perfect your life should be. No. No. You have to be willing to fight. You have to be willing to fight to take your life back. In Genesis 32 and verse 24, fascinating story. Fascinating story. Genesis 32 and verse 24. You know the story, but I'm going to read it. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of his Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he, as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go, let you go except you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. 
And he said, your name shall not be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, you've had, has thou power with God and with man, and has prevailed. You know, I, I underline that part, power with God. You know, sometimes we think about, okay, the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to have more power with God. And this talks about power of God and with men. But I think that power comes through the willingness to fight. The willingness, you know, to take your life back. And I don't know why any of this would come as a, as a surprise to us. Uh, we have been redeemed, forgiven. But then what? What do we do? I mean, you think about it. You go down the water, there's a baptism, you're, you're forgiven. Christ has redeemed us. But what, what's next? What's next? Well, we are to take our lives back. The thief comes not but to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have abundant, uh, that they might have it more abundantly, that is life. Again, you have two choices, abundant living or still kill and destroy. Which one describes you? Which one describes you? Now, the reason you may not be experiencing the abundant living is because you have failed to take your life back. You thought that Jesus was going to do it all for you. <laughs> uh, maybe you're still waiting on God to come through, to show up. Maybe you're waiting on God to give you a word from the Lord. Lord, show me what to do. You know, sometimes we cry out to God, God, you are inactive. You're not doing anything. No, we're inactive. We're not taking our life back. It's the problem. We're the ones sitting on our hands. Again, I don't know why any of this would come as a surprise to us. It shouldn't. Romans 8 and verse 13 says, Romans 8 and verse 13, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit... Do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. I mean, what is that? It's talking about put to death the deeds of the body. Take your life back. Now, it takes the Spirit of God. You can't do this on your own strength. You've got to have the indwelling presence of the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God to do this. But once we receive the Spirit, you have something to do. What is that something? Take your life back. The one you sold out to sin. The one you sold out to the lust of the flesh. The one that was maybe never disciplined. You got to take it back. You know, and I sometimes think that God looks, looks at us and says, you know, you could have a great life. If you just took back the life I always wanted to have for you. God speaking there. If you, if, you, if you would just take back the life that I always wanted you to have, that I've dreamed about for you to have, the good life I want you to have, things could be great for you. Romans 6 and verse 19 says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanliness and iniquity unto iniquity. Talking about, you know, Obviously, our former life. Not that we don't never struggle with sin. I'm not saying that. 
But the bottom line is we look back in our life, we were good at serving sin. Like a country western song, good at drinking beer. You know? you know, he goes through a list of all these things he's not good at, but he is good at this one thing. Okay, we were good at serving sin. And it says, even so now, yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Okay, this is what I want you to do now. I want you to take your life back. I want you to yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Now, if you think this is going to be easy, it's not. It's not going to be easy. This comes, you're not going to get there without a fight. Okay? You're never going to get here without fighting. Romans 6 and verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you in those things that therefore you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. Yeah, you look back on your life and you think, man... I look back at some of the things I did, some of the sins I did, you know, and yeah, I'm ashamed of them. I don't want to go back there. But now being made free from sin and become the servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Take back your life. God has given you everything you need to do it. Now, I think one of the things, I might have shared this with you before. But one of the pitfalls I experienced in my life right after my calling, right after baptism, is I sort of thought, you know, okay, there was temptation, the struggle against temptation was really great. I thought, man, I thought, if this is the way it's always going to be, I don't know if I can handle this. And I sort of sold out to a belief, a false belief system that temptations would always be that difficult. Truth of the matter is, when you resist and win, those temptations get less and less and less powerful. And I almost convinced myself of a lie that it would always be this huge, incredible struggle. That's not true. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Temptations, as you resist and you win those temptations, they become less and less powerful in your life. So, Anyway, I just want to mention that to you. Colossians 3 and verse 5. Colossians 3 and verse 5. Here's the word again. Mortify, put to death. Therefore your members which are upon the earth. Now, what, do, what does God want us to do? What does God want us to do? Okay. Put to death. Let me read this from a different translation. Colossians 3 and verse 5. I think this is God's words translation. Therefore put to death whatever is worldly in you, your sexual sins, perversions, passions, lust, and greed. Also, get rid of your anger. Skipping on down to Colossians 3 verse 8. Get rid of your anger, hot temper, hatred, cursing, obscene language, and all similar sins. Don't lie to each other. You've gotten rid of the person you used to be and the life you used to live. And you become a new person. The new person is continually renewed in knowledge to be like its creator. Now, I think about that. You know, this perfect union that Adam and Eve had before the fall, I want you to take back this life. I want you to do it by the power of my spirit in you. 
you know, there are spiritual battles that we fight. I mean, we've got to battle the flesh, which is we've got to be willing to fight against the flesh. There are spiritual battles. And there's a verse in uh, Isaiah 54 and verse 17. You don't have to turn there, but it says, No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. No weapon that is formed against you shall pro prosper. You know, there are weapons against, there are physical weapons. There are sometimes people against us. And people, you know, lie about you. They tell untruths. They, 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 you know, there's a lot of times you see that at the workplace. People, you know, stirring up. Stir Some people know how to stir up one, another person against another person. And, and, uh, but they slander you, okay? So there's physical weapons that are against you. But then there are spiritual weapons against us. Now, how do you fight those spiritual weapons? You don't, you, on your flesh, you're not going to do anything. The only thing that you can do is say, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, rebuke this weapon that has been formed against me to destroy my ministry, to destroy the good thing that I'm doing, to destroy whatever it is. You know, you have to rebuke that. And, you know, sometimes we think because everything is filtered through God, I believe that, everything, that, that even if the devil, God allows him to do things, but it's filtered through, through God. Joe? Yeah, yeah, good example. Right, exactly. So it's filtered through God. But sometimes with that thinking, I have thought, okay, if it's filtered through God, what's the use in complaining? What's, you know, God's allowing this to happen. But no, he wants us to fight against these spiritual battles. How do we fight against these spiritual battles? If it means getting up every morning and, and rebuking that weapon that has been formed against you, if you need to do it three times a day, do it three times a day. Don't, you know, don't just sit back and kick back and say, well, God, you're allowing this to happen in my life. It's everything's filtered through you. Nothing I can do. Yes, there is something you can do. You can fight spiritual battles. How do you fight spiritual battles? You don't do it on your strength, on your own strength. You fight it through prayer, through the Word of God, and through rebuking it by the authority and power of Jesus Christ. So, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. But we've got to be willing to fight. Okay? Now, one year at the feast, there was a, uh, a Star Wars, it was an arcade, and it was a Star Wars game that I loved. It was Darth Vader would come out with his sword, and he would say, if you will not fight, you will meet your destiny. And it was so powerful, you know, I loved that game. Now, here's the issue. I have never really considered myself a fighter. I mean, really, I have not. Uh, in school, if a fight broke out, you know, people would run to see it. I'd run in the opposite direction. I didn't want to see anybody, someone get their teeth knocked out. I mean, why would I want to see that? I didn't like it. I would run in the opposite direction. Boxing. I hate boxing. Uh, contact fighting that these men do without gloves, where they're just kicking. I hate that stuff. I mean, uh, you know, and then the, there was a concept, you know, that, well, the girl, uh, you got to fight for the girl. And I'm thinking, well, if she don't want me, why do I need to fight for her? <laughs> you know, what's the... <laughs> But it's important to understand what a fighter is. We think of physical contact. When God looks at you, 
How does he identify a person that is a fighter in you? Now, I'm going to give you some pointers here. Well, first, let's take a look at a verse. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8 tells us something about that I think is important. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8. For body, bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promises of, of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So there's two lives that we're concerned about, this life and the life to come. Okay? You know, when, so when we think of a fighter, we think of muscular. We think of, you know, if you see a strong man, you think, he's, you think of strength. Uh, sometimes we think of power. Sometimes we think he's right. Do we not? I mean, so like a police officer, you know, because of what he represents, he must represent the right thing, the right kind of standing, whatever. We, sometimes we can even think character with a strong, muscular person. That's not necessarily true. You know, I think of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, the guy was caught cheating on his wife, you know. They eventually divorced, had a beautiful wife, and so he was lacking in the character issue. You know, Angela was telling me about going to, a, uh, watching this shooting range, this little this place right down the road here, that where they, long distance shooting, and she was saying that all the shooters were muscular men that, that you know, muscled up. And I'm thinking, well, how much muscle do you need to pull a trigger? <laughs> Pee Wee Herman could pull a trick. It's the gun that does the heavy work. You know, you don't have to have a lot of them. Okay, uh, but um, maybe it goes with the territory. But bodily ex bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promises of the life that now is, and the life which is to come. The pursuit of godliness is what God considers to be a fighter. Why? Because it will be the greatest challenge you will ever face in life. Okay? Greater than running a business, greater than finding a mate, greater than building a house, greater than getting an education. And again, you can't do it alone. The building of godly character, the pursuit of godly character, you've got to have the Spirit of God to do that. Now notice, the fighter is fighting in this life and the life to come. This is where the character issue comes in at. Because we know God's not going to spend eternity with a pack of rebels. Do we not? I mean, we know that. He's not going to spend eternity with rebels. Uh, I think everybody knows we have to fight in this life. All you've got to do is pick up your Bible, start reading the very beginning in Genesis. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow shall you eat it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. You know, in the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return to the ground. And you have to fight to survive. You know, it's like right from the get-go. Things are against us. Uh, it's not going to be easy. But our focus cannot be just on this life. Fighting for this life. Now, many people do. That's all they got to focus on. Just this life, trying to make this life work, trying to get everything done in this life. Uh, I mean, think about this. Most people have one fight going on in their lives. A lot of people. But the Christian is hit with a double whammy. <laughs> you know, we have to fight in this life, and we're fighting for the life to come. Uh, fighting for the life and the character building for the life to come. Because we're not going to... I mean, it's like the book of Revelation talks about. 
to the overcomer. And you can interpret that as to the winner, the one who wins the fight. Okay? To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He that overcomes, the winner, the fighter, shall not be hurt by the second death. He that overcomes, the winner, the fighter, the person that takes back his life and keeps my works until the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Think about that. Power over the nations. How would you like to have power over the nations? You know, you cannot right a wrong unless you have made things right in your own life. Unless we have made things right in our own life. But when you look at some of the evil going on in the world, you think, yeah, power over the nations. That would be sweet. That would be good. <laughs> to him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my, my throne, even as I overcame and I'm set down with my father in his throne. You know, Jesus is speaking. I mean, what did Jesus do? He took his life back, his rightful position that he had with the father. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. It's not easy for us either. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Those who take back their lives. Those who take back the life God intended you to have. I mean, think about it. When God looks at you, you ever thought about the vision that God had for your life? Maybe he looked at you as a little boy when maybe we were more innocent back then. And God, you know, God didn't look at you and, and imagine some kind of chaotic, dysfunctional, addicted to this, addicted to the lust of the flesh, addicted to that, you know, this problem. He didn't, no, he, he looked at you and he had a vision for you. And that vision's good. It's a vision of you taking back your life and living the right kind of life. So, characteristics of the fighter. Just go through a few here. You never give up. You never give up. You don't take no for an answer. You're persistent. You make plans. You make plans. You know, Ansel talks about planning her day, my sister. And she'll write down things she wants to get done in a day. That's an important issue. If you're going to be a fighter, do you plan or do you just let the day hit you and whatever comes will come? And, and by the end of the day, I don't know if I'm going or coming. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. Plan your day. Plan your day. Another point, show up every day. What the fighter does. He shows up every day. Sounds simple, but it can be hard. The fighter doesn't sweat the small stuff either. You don't sweat the small stuff. Like, boy, I've had a bitter lesson in this one. Worry. Worry. What are you worried about? Man, my list is a mile long. And my sister-in-law said something to me. She said, David, you're not a worrier. You're a warrior. That was powerful. And I want to say it to you. You're not a worrier. You are a warrior. That's what, you're, what we're supposed to be. So I want you to view, in closing, I want you to view yourself as a warrior. Think about it. Why are we told about the armor of God that we must put on? What are we going to do? I mean, we are a fighter. We are to war. We are 
simply to take back our lives.